Hello everyone, this is Q of the MJ Cast and welcome to episode 111. We have a terrific show full of some exciting news, some very big news, some great music tracks and some um, pretty big discussion today. So tune in, episode 111 of the MJ Cast. The following is a presentation from the MJ Cast. The Internet's premier podcast on all things Michael Jackson. You're listening to the MJ Cast by MJ fans or MJ fans. The idea is to uh, innovate, or else why, why am I doing it? When I create my music, I feel like an instrument of nature. You let it create itself, really. I know I do. And I love to entertain. That's, that's one of my favorite things. Welcome to the MJ Cast, your source of news and discussion on the King of Pop. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to episode 111 of the MJ Cast. What on earth is that number? My goodness, it's so big. I can't believe it. This is exciting. I have got some great co-hosts with me today, which I'm very excited to introduce. First up, of course, Jamin Ball, editor extraordinaire and dude that has just seen Janet Jackson in concert last night. Jamin Ball, <laughs> welcome to the MJ Cast. Hello, everyone. Hello from Studio Brisbane. This is Jamin. I am just feeling a little bit uh, still waking up at the moment because I did see Janet Jackson had a big night last night and stalked her at her hotel. Um, not creepy at all. We'll get to that later in the show. You might notice I sound a little bit different today as well. That's because my MacBook is... Get, well, I'm getting a new one, so I don't have a computer right now, and I'm recording on dodgy earphone thingies. He broke his computer again, so. folks. He worked it to death. <laughs> again. I did. I know, I know. So, anyway, that's why I sound a bit different, but all good. And you're sick. I am. You're also sick. I am sick. I'm not feeling too great. It's um, not a hangover. I've sussed that out. <laughs> he didn't even drink last night. Okay, guys, he's actually feeling sick, sick, sick. It's like a virus. I wanted to be 100% alert for the- awesomeness that was janet in brisbane so <laughs> i'm so glad you were not sick last night no that that's right yeah I, I can't believe it i just woke up feeling really bad but no i had a great night last night and can't wait to talk about it yes also very exciting a return to the mj cast airwaves a voice from the past and not just because he's a day behind because it's like not even the 16th of november over there yet Jason Garcia of MJ Radio. Jason, welcome back to the MJ Cast, mate. Hey, hello, everybody. This is Jason from Studio Houston here. One more time with the brothers of MJ Cast. Very happy to be here and very excited about this episode 111. Um, unbelievable. One day I'll, I'll, I I'll get to be like you guys. <laughs> you sure will. <laughs> one day, one day. I think, though, if, if you added up all of the different episodes of your podcasts yeah. from all of your channels, you're probably up there already. Yeah, I, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> not easy, not wow, easy. Wow, no. no. It's, it's so good having Jason to chat with us today. It's been, it's been a long time and it's gonna, it's a nice sort of episode to have like, I guess the, the brothers back together. Um, cause there's some big news coming up later in the show. And I guess it's sharing it together with Jason as well as with you guys. It's about 
the future of the MJ cast next year. Don't worry, it's not bad news. Don't freak out. It's fine. The MJ cast is coming back next year. Don't stress. But yes, Stay don't skip the episode. Keep listening. Yeah, don't skip the episode, folks. <laughs> Keep listening, all right? Until you get there. Oh, my there. God. I don't know the news either, so I'll, I'm right with the audience. I'm waiting. Oh, you do so. You're such a he faker. Knows he knows the news, <laughs> folks. <laughs> Not in the entirety. All right. Well, follow up. Jamin, we got some follow up. Yes. We do. I want to know. Our first item of follow up is around um, Jason. Really, I want to, uh, Jason. I want to know how things have been going at MJ Radio. We see you guys put out a bunch of episodes very consistently. Some great guests go on there, and how's things going at MJ Radio? Yeah, shout out, shout out to Ale and Sandra, Hello. other co-hosts of the MJ Radio channel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Great, great, great things going on on our side. We're trying to catch up with everything that goes on. Of course, we know that this year has not been uh, the greatest uh, in, in terms of uh, the media towards MJ and many other things. But still, we're trying to uh, go through it. And I think we've done pretty good. And we're trying to go back to normal. And we already had like two or three episodes where we already changed subjects and went into, again, analyzing his music and his legacy and everything else. So pretty happy with cool. the results. The last episode we did that was amazing was the Off the Wall anniversary. And we analyzed the whole album and brought in a musician who also has a podcast. And he was just amazing. Whoa, oh, that's, that's so cool. How long was that episode? That was like three hours long. See, yeah, yeah. Because there's wow, so much I did not even nice. know. I was like, oh, it's, it's a short album. And when you see the, the running time, I'm like, oh, okay, we're going to do this quickly. But then the background <laughs> and the, the everything in the middle and the what happened afterwards, it was just so much information. And, and, and the guy came so prepared that he had so much information. And you're like, oh, my goodness. It, it turned. We recorded for like four and a half hours. So it was, cool. it was, it was a whole bunch oh of stuff. Oh my God. And then he, and then he went and did his own episode on his channel and added another two hours to it. So it was like, wow, oh, so wow. much info on off the wow. wall. <laughs> Damn. Jason, I got to ask you, how, you're a family man. You've got a wife yes. and a daughter. Mm hmm. And but you know we've got something in common. We are we are editors of podcast and Michael Jackson podcast. Yes. How do you balance? I need to learn here. How do you balance? Editing, recording, family, work. How do you do it? Well, that's what I should be asking you. <laughs> well, I don't. <laughs> right basically. Basically. <laughs> yeah, but I try my best. You know, I think uh, I do. I record my podcast around my wife's schedule. So uh, she's oh. when she's at work, I, I record. And uh, I usually edit at night when everybody wants to sleep. So I don't bother anybody with the clicks on the keyboard and anything like that. So I, I edit at night, lonely by myself. And like right now, she's not here, so I'm recording with you guys, and it's not an issue. Okay. And where's your little girl? Yes, I'm very fortunate. I have my mother-in-law here, and uh, she takes mm -hmm. care of the baby most of the time. Aha, uh -huh, there we go. Okay, there I need, you go. we need to get that big. Right. Uh, that's why I don't have that. I don't have the secret weapon. Exactly. That's, that's, that is that is the, the key. Yeah. Wow. wow. Well, cool. we're going we're gonna to work on the balance, your work-life balance a bit, Jamin, okay? That's sort of in relation to our main discussion topic a bit later, okay? Yeah, yeah. We're going to make things easier for you. All good. Okay. Well, um, another bit of follow-up I wanted to get to um, is 
square one. We have had, Jason, you mentioned before about having to talk about leaving Neverland a lot this year on MJ Radio, and we have as well on the MJ cast, and it's all been so draining for all of us, we know. But one breath of fresh air, I guess, in this whole thing is the amazing fan documentaries that have come out to fight for Michael's innocence. And uh, one of the most important ones of those is is Danny Wu's Square One, which has premiered in Los Angeles, in London, and then very recently in a number of cities in China. Um, so I've got to hear. Did you? What did you think of Square One? Did you Did you like it? I watched it. Yes, uh, I was very happy to know the everything that happened in during the uh, the premiere. I put it on my big screen. You know, I got my popcorn out and then I got ready to enjoy everything. So I, I was I was happy. It wasn't too long. It went uh, by pretty quickly for me. In regards to the information, of course, it's on point. Everything that we already know, it's there. Very well explained. Easy for people to understand, and they can use that as a source for information whenever needed you know because we usually find this information on written text online and some people might get bored by just reading so much so having it on video it just helps to make it more widespread and this for the 93 case this is the first time that's really ever been done there's been you know well this year especially documentaries that sort of have covered the the Wade and James stuff and even touched on the Gavin stuff. And, you know, there has been stuff in the past for those sort of things. But this is really the first time anyone's really collated all of that information that's been scattered across the decades and put it all into this one easy, shareable and watchable and educational package. So that was a big thing. Absolutely. And we did have plans recently to do an episode where we'd do a full review of Square One, but, you know, with schedules and cues being off gallivanting around the world, doing trips all around Disneyland a million times, which is awesome. So we didn't quite get to do an episode fully reviewing Square One, and we probably won't do that now. It'll take up a lot of time. But I, I do want to say one thing. I've seen a lot of recently on Twitter. I've seen, I just want people that are on Twitter feeling the need to like get a bit negative about square one this it's driving me nuts i don't know if you guys have seen it i think we need to stop and remember here that danny Wu is uh an, a fan who has made this documentary off his own back off his own dime off his own time um he you know did this as a one-man show traveling around interviewing people like charles thompson and taj jackson and josie josie and he did this all himself and for those people out there on twitter saying oh you know it's you know the um the audio quality is not perfect or whatever it's okay maybe there's a couple of flaws with it here and there but this is a one go- this is not a production studio we need to remember that and danny's improving yeah, this it this wasn't this wasn't created for oscar nomination no <laughs> no it wasn't what we do know is that danny's very open to feedback and i've given him feedback and others have and we know that the the chinese version that premiered is is even more improved with professionally recorded charles thompson audio now and uh he's constantly improving his product so people just need to take a chill pill on that and and i think we need to give even further props to danny for doing this off his own back to be honest these these are the kind of people also that are bagging out taj and his documentary as well so I'm like, what is it with these people? Like, seriously, support something and help it instead of, like, bagging it out and being so negative and then complaining when, like, things don't happen. I'm like, are you kidding me? The community's, like, barely survived this year and we're just kind of leaving this this period now of leaving Neverland. And it's time to start 
enjoying the positive aspects of of Michael and uh, and his music and and for the, some fans out there to just want to like drag it down again is like come on. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, crazy. So go Danny. Um yeah, and yeah, the big premiere across China and you know it was like uh translated into Chinese. Yeah, absolutely. It has Chinese yeah. subs on it and I'm hoping we get a copy of that soon. And there's also a lot of other uh, people in the community that have translated it into other languages so people can have the subtitles in like a lot of different countries that aren't all English speaking. And I really want to send out my gratitude and thanks to those people that have done that for Danny because I think that is so generous in their time and their efforts and it is so beneficial. So shout out to all of those that help do different translations for square one in other countries wow okay so we finished our follow-up and uh gonna move move into the news now but q you've been off uh as i said traveling around the place uh you've been enjoying disney parks and all kind of things and this is the first time you've seen uh a lot of this news because you've been so busy tell us tell us what you've been up to oh my god i am so exhausted (laughs) i am so tired so i had a leave annual leave from work in October because it was my birthday and it was a big birthday. Happy birthday. So we thank you. Um so I think the last time we recorded would have been early October and then I recorded with Paul and Adam for the Thriller Night Halloween episode which was terrific. Amazing. A really great chat. Thank you to Adam and Paul. And if you haven't, go check it out. It's a great discussion about thriller and ghosts short films with actual filmmakers and editors and true MJ fans. Awesome guys. Awesome discussion. So that was the last, I think, recording that we did in early October. Um, thank you for editing a beautiful show together, Jamin, with amazing sound effects and music and things like that. It was really cool. My pleasure. So it had been a little while because I had my birthday here at home, but not long after, the husband and I headed off on holiday just up to Asia because it's close to Australia. So we visited Singapore, which had been a few years for us both. We got to see the gardens by the bay, which is amazing and like like a wonder of the world. It's incredible. And then we went and had six days at Hong Kong Disneyland Resort which was terrific. It is absolutely the most underrated of the Disney parks. It is a great little park. They've had like expansions. They have um, the Buzz Lightyear Astro Blaster ride's been replaced with an Ant-Man and a Wasp shooting ride. So the same ride system, but it's been rethemed and it's really good. Uh, their new castle's getting built. It's stunning. So we had a wonderful holiday there. And then we went to Kuala Lumpur and had uh, four nights there and then back to Singapore. And then we were hoping to come home, but then we couldn't get on the flight because of the standby tickets that I was using. Um, so we then had to return back to Hong Kong to fly out a day late, but that's okay. We snuck back to Disney for two hours with our annual passes for breakfast before our flight. And then we got home a day late. And then the morning after we got home, so we got home like midnight and then 11 a.m. the next morning, my birthday party started. So that was a very rushed morning. So I'd been celebrating my 40th for a couple of weeks. And then we had the big festival 40 
closing party here at home, which went from 11 a.m. until 10 p.m. Wow. And it was a terrific day with so much food. People brought wonderful food and I had a great playlist, which had some MJ and some Janet, some Jackson stuff in there amongst a whole bunch of other amazing music from all over the world. So that finished at night at 10 and then... The couple of days later, I got my new work roster and found out that the following week I would have my emergency procedures recurrent exams for work. I'm a flight attendant and you go and ask any (laughs) flight attendant about recurrent training days and they will not say that they are fun. I got to jump in here and say, listeners, there are two cues. (laughs) There there is normal speed cue and then there is exam prep cue. There's two different cues. But you always get so stressed about them, but you always do so well. So, I don't know why you worry. But- yeah, I I always nail it and it was a good day, but they are so stressful. So, yeah, emergency procedures exams every six months. And this was the big day, like, you know, the full opening fake aircraft doors and all the procedures and screaming and fires and rafts and so, all whole thing. It's very stressful. So, I got through that this week. And this is like, I had all this laundry still from the holiday to iron. I hadn't been looking at any MJ news this this morning, like recording, like an hour ago was the first time I've opened OneNote to look at even what we're going to be discussing. <laughs> had to find some awesome tracks for you all. So we're going to play some great music. Um, so yeah, so this news that we're going to get into, there's what, about five, six, seven stories or so yeah. that we're going to be talking about. And uh, we're going to bang through that. And, Jamin, you put a tweet out. Is that where you got some of these news? You put a tweet out about what we should discuss on this show. Is this where um, you piece together some of this stuff? I know Elise did a lot of the show notes. Thank you so much, Elise. Yeah. Is that where? A little bit. To be honest, um, Elise sort of had it all covered. What she had in here already was what people were replying with and saying to talk about. A lot of the replies oh, cool. I was getting was more- I asked for people to send in news items, and most replies were like, tell us about unreleased tracks. I'm like, that's not- News items, but <laughs> no, that's not a regular show. No, 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 <laughs> not the place or time. But uh, definitely, thank you to everybody who did send in news items, and we're going to get into them right now. Um, the first one is about another Michael Jackson documentary that's on its way called Mirroring Michael Jackson. Uh, this one seems to be a little bit more positive, and we've got a, some information from IMDb on this one. It's due to come out soon-ish. Q, uh, did you get a chance to read that IMDb page? I think I read the blurb about it. Yeah. And I saw some of the people that are in it. And I think this has been getting worked on, I want to say definitely all this year and maybe since last year, because I think Simona, who's one of the people in it, had sort of been doing a lot of um, social media reaching out about it, trying to get attention for it. So I think this is something that has been in the process of being worked on for a while now. Yeah, and when you read the blurb, it talks about, you know, the film being a, um, you know, all about Michael's groundbreaking musical legacy, his impacts on other artists. Uh, it's got the collective voices of his friends, recording artists and collaborators. Uh, it, it sounds like it's going to be a very loving and uh, positive documentary around Michael Jackson. It's directed by Christopher, I don't know how to say the last name, but I'm guessing Broughton. Broughton, yeah. Uh, written by Kira Modelo Sasse. Uh, and the thing that interests me the most about it is the breadth of uh, people involved. There are truly a range of people from Michael's career. 
You've got people like Gladys Knight and Smokey Robinson from the Motown days. And all the way through to choreographers like Vincent Patterson and uh, Travis Payne that worked with Michael in, in his later career. And like people involved in his personal life, like Big Al Scanlon and uh, David Nordahl for the Neverland sort of uh, perspective. So I am excited for this because I think we're going to get a chance to see the real Michael Jackson in this documentary. I'm very jealous that they have David Nordahl. Yes. Like we've been trying to get David for years. Yeah, he doesn't- it hasn't happened yet. He doesn't uh, tend to go public very much with his stories, so it should be interesting to see just for David alone. All right, releases. Yeah, it says he's going to be released on December 29th, so it's going to be up for the new year if they obviously if they keep the the release day you know a lot of times these dates Mm. are changed so hopefully we can get to see it they updated last time at the beginning of the year so it has been a while since they came back to say anything or update anything on here it would be good to get it for christmas new year that would be good for the season yeah yeah i think it'd be really good it just says it's an in love and memory that's what the poster says on it he has a michael inside his own legs <laughs> with the photoshopping and uh, so it, it looks kind of interesting and in the colors they use for that picture but obviously that's subject to change at the very end we will see what they come up with but yeah i mean honoring michael one more time uh, going back to this type of documentaries that we want to watch where we can uh, see his influence and his music i don't know if they will have so many talking heads as you said, uh, they say the Smokey Robinson is going to be there. Vincent Patterson, Saida Garrett, Travis Payne. Uh, I don't know if they're going to be there because of the archives or actually they're going to be interviewed for it. But we will see. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see, mm-hmm. actually. Yeah, good point. Will it be archived interviews or will it be new interviews? Hopefully it's new. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he says the field presents cherished memories of Jackson via the collective voices of MJ friends, fellow recording artists and collaborators. So that doesn't really tell me if it's archive or <laughs> new interviews. No, and we're, we're not sure really about either the extent to what we'll see new Michael Jackson footage we haven't seen before or music. Like, I don't know if this estate is involved with this or not. It's not. It's but, not. Um, and I'm not expecting to uh, see any new stuff. Yeah. So, just um, it's probably going to be more along the lines of um, some of the other documentaries we've seen this year, like- um, Chase the Truth? Yeah, Chase the Truth. It'll probably have like an original score and like maybe some press footage of Michael, but certainly not official stuff, I don't think. It's interesting that it also says Michael Jackson's talent and artistry is celebrated in the film with original music performances in loving memory of the King of Pop. So I guess we will also have them playing live or, you know, especially for for the documentary. I never seen a documentary where the guests play music for Michael in original music. So that'll be interesting to see what the lyrics are, what the messages are for Michael in, in those songs and how many of those they include. Yeah, I think For a sure. big part of this will be how Michael has influenced performers, like it says, of the past, present, and future. So I think it'll be a lot of people talking about how Michael's influenced them in their different entertainment fields. I think that will be the main part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, so next story, I know a little bit about it, but I have not read the book. Uh, Elton John. Uh, apparently called Michael mentally ill and a disturbing person in his new book. I, I read mm. the quotes and the paragraph, chapter or whatever it was that that was from. I haven't read the rest of the book. 
but I think some Michael fans have turned this into a giant story where it didn't really need to be. I watched the Elton music bio film Rocketman recently. Fantastic, by the way. Like, so good. Way better than the Freddie Mercury one that was out with uh, Rami Malek recently as well. The Elton one is so much better. I don't see what the big giant controversy was over this story. Like, is Elton not allowed to have his opinion? Has anyone read the book? Does he say nice things about Michael? Don't forget Elton helped Michael a lot in a time that he needed it desperately when he was undergoing uh, addiction stuff in 93. So... I don't know. I think people just just because someone says something that they say is negative, they just have to like cancel the person and kill, you know, their character and don't ever talk about them and how dare they say stuff that they experienced in their life. I'm like, oh, stop overreacting. Yeah, and if you if you actually break down what he's saying here, like what are the two things he's saying? He's saying Michael Jackson was mentally ill and a disturbing person. Now, that's pretty strong terminology, but I think we could agree that Michael did have some psychological trauma from his childhood and thus the, you know, dependency on and, and different things. And I, I would... I wouldn't use the words mentally ill, but I would definitely say that Michael was suffering psychologically from, from his past and also a disturbing person. No, I wouldn't say Michael was a disturbing person. Um, were some of his decisions, um, disturbing in terms of maybe like, his choices? Yeah. Of, I would say, yeah, they did disturb me. Like he did put his family at risk through some of his behaviors after the allegations and, so, when you look at it like that, I don't actually think what Elton's saying is that bad. It's more just maybe the language choice. Did you read the actual chapters that he spoke about these things? Yeah. So, it was about a, a dinner that he was already awkward because I think his, was it his future mother-in-law was at the dinner and she was a real piece of work, like a real character. And then Michael removed himself and hung out with the, you know, the kids. Yeah. And Michael, you know, it was a very awkward dinner because they had to draw the curtains because of the sunlight um, for Michael's skin. So, that's already like a really strange situation uh, to be in. And then, yeah, Michael was really not comfortable and awkward and not really engaging with anyone. And then he disappeared and he was hanging out in a housekeeper's cottage playing computer games with the sun. Hmm, sounds like every party for me ever. But anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> and is it the whole book about Elton's life where he is like talking about how he had mental struggles and addictions and really dark and terrible times and did a lot of really just like terrible things. So isn't the rest of the book about that as well? I think, yeah. I don't know. I haven't read the book. Has any fan actually read the book or are they just all reacting to quotes that were headline stories to get attention for the book? As usual, it's Michael fans, hardcore MJ fans latching onto like one thing and then maybe it's because we're in defense mode all the time. It could be that as well. Like, we're always looking out for someone attacking Michael and we just take it to a hundred every time it happens. Maybe it's that. Yeah, we have pretty much the same idea as we already discussed this on our show and uh, we came to the same conclusion. I mean, we read the, we, we did not read the whole book. Um, we read the excerpt, the longest ones we could find. And we did not think that this was anything that number one, we don't know about nothing new. 
And as you said, Elton John was friends with Michael for some time and he helped them out. So we in the end thought that he's not saying anything that hasn't been said before. And he's not saying anything that Michael was not going through during those times. Mm. So it, it's it's nothing new. Mm. And the fact that people uh, put it on as a subject a header on their websites, and usually these are very shady websites. Yeah. And that's, you know, the only reason why we're hearing about it, because it's Michael Jackson, because it's selling a book. And that's it. There's nothing really more to add, but somebody's selling a book. Yep. Uh, how, why do they take that out of everything else he wrote in the book? Well, only God knows, but... That's that's what they do. Because like exactly why you said it gets attention for those websites. Put Michael mm-hmm. Jackson in the headline, then they get all their clicks, yeah. all of the fans share all of the yeah. stories in an outrage, and they get even more clicks. So yeah, JD did a really good video on this as well over on his YouTube channel. We we also don't know the pressure that was put on Elton, or I don't know, maybe he had a ghostwriter. Maybe the publisher was like, you know, Leaving Neverland's mm-hmm. happening. You know, we need you to put a paragraph in here about Michael now. We don't know the story behind that either. We know publishers do things like that. Absolutely. Yeah. People think, oh, wow, look, this famous celebrity wrote a book and it's everything they say in it is directly from them. No. There is not a lot of that happening in reality. Like Michael Jackson did not sit down and write Moonwalk cover to cover with a pencil in a notebook or type (laughs) it out on a typewriter. Like ghostwriters help these people put these books together. They will get the details from people. They will get the context of things. And then it's ghostwriters that put a lot of these books together. So just be aware, people, like seriously. All right, next news item. I think we've covered that one fairly well. Uh, The Michael Jackson musical, the official musical, uh, which used to be called Don't Stop Till You Get Enough, has been renamed to be MJ the Musical. Not really sure about that why that decision happened um but uh it's been renamed and it's uh, just to give people a bit of an update it opens next year uh july 6th in it, there's a preview uh run will happen in the neil simon theater in new york uh and uh for those of you who don't know it is uh, a, a theatrical production being produced by the michael jackson estate and columbia live stage the book uh, written by lynn nottage a playwright who's won two Pulitzer Prizes for Ruined and Sweat. Uh, the show's being directed and choreographed by Christopher Wielden, a Tony winner for An American in Paris. Uh, this is a, is a very controversial uh, play because um, the people that are helming it have said uh, some very interesting things about Michael's alleged behavior um, around children. And uh, I I don't know the full details of that, to be honest. That's one aspect of leaving Neverland Saga that I'm not that clear on, but I do know it's created some controversy around the play. Uh, and there have been fans calling for the people that have said those things that are, that are putting the play together to step down. And they're saying the estate should be putting pressure on them to step down, which hasn't happened from what I can see. Um, but it does look like this play is coming out next year regardless. Yes, this uh, this rebranding of the name, as, as you guys, we don't know why they're doing this. It does not sound that creative <laughs> to just call it the Michael Jackson musical. So I guess uh, that's not the, the reason why they changed it, to be more creative. And regarding the people that wrote the, the musical that made some statements and people started talking about it, we do believe that they're not supposed to be talking about things that are not related to the musical. We came up with the conclusion that they made a mistake 
by coming out and talking about the Living Neverland aftermath and everything. They should have just kept it with the show and what they're doing. They even mentioned that they're not going to talk about it on the, they're not going to mention it during the, the show. So what what's the deal? Why would they talk about it? It's just a big mistake and they shouldn't have done it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I don't know if this information is still accurate, but apparently at some point they, uh, uh, Nottage and Wielden had said that the musical would focus on a period of time in the early 90s when Michael was preparing for the Dangerous album and asked when the show would, if, if whether the show would address the allegations. Yes. Um, they, they actually said that uh, they'd lean into the complexities, lean into the darkness, but also recognize the great amount of music and film and choreography that Michael left behind. So at one point in the show's production, it sounds like they weren't going to be afraid to look at uh, the darker sides of, of Michael's reality. But uh, whether the estates now stepped in and said, look, after leaving Neverland, we want you to keep this one positive. Who knows? I'm actually really interested in the relationship between the producers and the estate and what that's like at the moment. But because um, like these creative individuals, I, I'm sure would hate the idea of the executors stepping in and saying it has to be a certain way, especially if they have reservations about Michael's innocence. So, uh, I, I'd like to, to see or hear what's going on behind the curtain with the creative relationship. I think, wasn't there a statement from the estate like in the last month or so about the playwrights and they were sort of backing them up? Yeah, the estate said that they do not influence on the creative from the writers and the, they would not, they would not do that and and it this is like the, the movies you know uh you got a producer and then you got a director and a writer and uh, usually the writer is the worst because anybody changes whatever he wrote so i'm so sorry for the writers but then the director always fights with the producer and uh, because the director wants to see his vision the producer wants his vision to come through and some m movies suffer because of that if this is the same case here where the, the writers will fight with the producers because of that then i would understand it in any other business i think that when you badmouth your boss you should not be working for them but i don't really know how everything works with theater regardless we're gonna find out next year yeah we will hopefully somebody over in new york can go and let us know what the story was about and how they handled everything to me i don't think there's a need to address any issues other than Michael Jackson's suffering. Uh, but then that's, again, it's a creative way to do it. Because he made some songs where you could use as easily for him going through a depression phase. But other than that, I wouldn't go into any detail. As a writer, I wouldn't. I think we've spoken in the past how we want things like this to be real and to address all aspects of Michael's life. But as long as it's done based on facts and not insinuating things that are actually not true. So, yeah, it'll be interesting with the statements made in the past from the playwright, Lynn. You know, they were really, really not positive and not great with the estate double downing and backing them up. You know, again, that doesn't sort of surprise me. It's not like they've done really a lot to come out and publicly help Michael's image with this whole drama this year. But again, you know, they also were the people behind the Cirque shows and they were overall pretty good shows. Yeah, I guess what we sort of want to try and avoid here as a community is uh, another situation like the Never Everland <laughs> theatre 
experience that uh, we know that Elise, our, our co-host, went to, and she wrote a great review about that one. Um, if you go to the MJCast.com, you can read a great op-ed by Elise Capron about the Never Everland play and how that was uh, a very problematic story, which did insinuate things about Michael that, that weren't based on facts. So uh, we, we hope that MJ the Musical does not go down that path. Yeah, hopefully everything, uh, it's a success just as the MJ1 and the Cirque du Soleil relationship went. Absolutely. And speaking about the state and its relationship with the marketing department, they uh, went over to celebrate the 10th anniversary of the This Is It film that came out back in 2010. Was it 10? Nine. That's, oh, really? Damn, they did not yeah. wait nothing. Okay. They didn't wait. <laughs> <laughs> that came out back then in 2009. So it's been 10 years, of course, because it's 2019. Hello. So they came up with a product, a Blu-ray with some other items to it. And right now it's in pre-order mode. For like $4 million. <laughs> <laughs> you can go to the website and acquire it if you want to. What do you guys think, though? Do you, are you guys going to go get it? Run? Subscribe? <laughs> I think, again... A state, what the fuck? Are you kidding? <laughs> like, after everything we've been through this year, this, who asked for this? Exactly. People what have I said. been giving you suggestions of what we want as products and celebration of Michael's career since he passed away. And again, you just like, are you kidding? A, a giant $400 box, at least, whatever the price is, of. This is it, which was a product that Michael didn't even put out. You guys put it out, showing the decline of his health before he died. No. And, and a Blu-ray, which you can go and get on eBay for way cheaper with the 3D elements. Like, this is not a new thing. The only new thing is the packaging and a coffee table book, which has pictures, which were so photoshopped and airbrushed anyway in the original release that it didn't even look like Michael in them because the real pictures he is deathly ill in the pictures this is talking about again misreading the room this is in such bad taste like we have histories is it 25 25 year anniversary for history coming next year yeah are you kidding that's another huge thing they could have done and instead they're putting this out like so bad it is bad. And it's, I, like I said on a previous show, I have always felt it was really important what the estate's next official product was after leaving Neverland. It really was going to demonstrate that it was like a litmus test for their view, really, of Michael Jackson and the fan community. And, uh, in, instead of doing something tasteful, I, I think I, I can't really, aside from a reissue of the Michael album, I can't really think of a least, like a less tasteful thing they could do. Like, this is it. At the time, we, we viewed very differently to now because we hadn't seen the Conrad Murray and AEG trials to learn how AEG um, and some of Michael's collaborators even were, like, treating him behind the scenes. He was being slapped. He was being insulted on stage verbally. He was um, being threatened. He was it, it was a horrible time for Michael Jackson where he was literally being abused and forced to work to his death. Um, he was being treated negligently. There was no one. There was people blowing the whistle, but nobody stopping the production. Disgusting that the the estate would uh, at the you know we, we know what they did was they put together a false representation of those of that time, and now they're celebrating that false representation and asking for a crap ton of money for it. It's it's very distasteful, and 
sad that they would do that. And yeah, if you want to go ahead and mortgage your house so you can buy it, sure. But like, you know, when this is it came out, like you said, it was very different because we weren't aware of what was happening behind the scenes. And at the time, it was very helpful for a lot of us with the grieving process. Like we had that massive event at the Gold Coast with Marnie and Damien and TJ and you, Jamin, and your brother and many other local Queensland fans. And, you know, for, and I saw it countless times in the cinema and it was a very helpful product to help with that. But then the reality came out. Yes, it is a spectacular film. Yes, it gives an amazing insight into the creation of like a Michael Jackson tour and seeing that side of Michael, uh, you know, behind the scenes and really sort of shaping the show. All of that is incredible. But the reality is this is basically a snuff film and the, the aftertaste of this film is not pleasant and it should not be celebrated with a $400 10th anniversary box set after everything that has happened this year. This does not help Michael's legacy, especially um, in the aftermath of what we had to go through this year. Couldn't have said it better. I just hope fans are starting to learn, look beyond the new and shiny, you know? I mean, yeah, it's LED light box and 3D and look beyond that and, and think about the ethics of what's going on here. Would Michael Jackson- want this out. Again, it just shows what kind of people are running the estate and putting these products out. Like if you, again, why you would have any doubt about the people that are putting the stuff together for the MJ estate and putting it out and releasing it and meant to be caretaking for Michael's image. If you had any doubt about the kind of people these were, like this demonstrates it. We couldn't agree more, and we, I cannot add anything else than you already <laughs> said. Um, but uh, just, just to clarify, I want to clarify that I I do know my math, and I should have known to subtract ten from 2019. <laughs> <laughs> I just I blanked out for a bit. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. Let's move. On. I think JD's got a great video on his channel about this as well. And I I think maybe that's what the reason was for them to release it so early and. Um, because maybe they knew, okay, after after everything comes out, it's going to hit the fan and nobody will want to watch this anymore. So I think they took advantage of that and, and released oh. it really quickly. Yeah. yeah. Lil' Kim. Lil' Kim. Represent MJ. <laughs> How's that for a change of gears? Big jump. Big jump. <laughs> yeah. So she's come out with a new song. Uh, I can't All remember right. the name of the song because it's not at the show notes. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but <laughs> but it, does, it doesn't it does sample You Are Not Alone, but it-, it covers like a bit of it towards the end of the song one line one line (laughs) it's not much i mean there's a theme throughout the chorus of you know you are not alone but when when you get to the end of the song there's like she sings some lyrics from you are not alone kind of in the same melody so yeah it's good that she's rapping mj you know this year especially but um yeah I'm not a big Lil' Kim fan. I'm going to make a very <laughs> controversial statement here. Why does she- Okay. Why is the cover art for this song, this album, make it look like she's a white woman? Um, let's have a look at the cover art, shall we? Is that a new album? New, her, new, her newest album, right? Yeah. Nine. Oh, it's called Nine. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Do you see what well, I mean? <laughs> yeah. 
And she's like, she looks up with those clothes. It's very Kim Kardashian esque. I think so. I think she's trying to do that. They're trying to confuse people yeah. so they can buy it, thinking it's Kim Kardashian or something. I'm like, she is an incredible black artist. You know, an amazing rapper. I'm like, what is with this cover art? It's she was like the blueprint for Nicki Minaj. You know, those kind of mm. artists and yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I was just really thrown by the cover art. I'm like, what the heck is this? Anyway, uh, I had to go. Are you sure this is correct, Jamin? Because I can't even hear you're not alone in this song. But then there is that one tiny little line where she sings you are not alone in the same melody. Um, I think it's a good thing that, you know, little rep for MJ. Um, I thought that was, you know, as small as it is, it's the small things that count. So, I thought that was a positive thing. Go check it out. Follow the show notes, folks. All righty. We're going to hear now from our Jackson family correspondent, Yannicka. Happy birthday, by the way, for your recent birthday. Uh, This is going to be an update on some of the biggest news for other family members in the Jacksons. Yannicka of Jackson Source. Hello. This is Yannicka from Jackson Source. And uh, I wanted to talk to you guys or update you about um, TJ's solo music. He's been preparing this for quite a few years, actually. And he dropped Insomnia as his debut single in September with the music video. And that music video was shot in Paris and I was there. So it was a cool experience to to see how a music video is being made and with all this, the script book and the entire production team. So that was done in Paris in a hotel uh, with the view to the Eiffel Tower and shot over the night, through the night. And he actually recorded another music video there as well for the same song, another version. So that's going to be out in a few months. But uh, it was a great team to work with for him. And I think the music video is really, really nice. It came out the way he wanted and envisioned it. There was definitely scenes that have not made it to the final edit, so I think maybe another version might be out sometime too. But uh, I think he made the choice well to go with Insomnia as the first single, because originally there was another single planned to be the first one, an up-tempo one, and a music video for that has been made in Los Angeles as well, so that's that's coming. And now TJ dropped another single, uh, I Don't Deserve This, and that video is going to be made in a couple days uh, in California. It's with, it's going to be with the same production team that did Insomnia. So look, I'm looking forward to that. And I think it will be another great video for people to, to enjoy. So I'm, I'm really happy for TJ that he's getting the love and recognition and appreciation for his solo music. He, he, he's worked hard and he's working hard on it. So that's, that's well deserved. I also wanted to share some experience and, and information about what Jermaine has been doing in Japan. He actually did a, a tour of a small two weeks and it started off in Osaka. It was near Osaka. It was in Nara, actually, in the, in the World Heritage uh, Yakushigi Temple. That's, that temple was turned around into a concert venue for one time only. And that's that's definitely a thing in Japan for Western music to be played like that. In, in that venue, it was really special. And the occasion was the Motown 60th anniversary orchestral concert. So there was an orchestra with 47 pieces and they invited Jermaine to do, uh, Let's Get Serious, Ben, Jackson 5 Metley, and I'll Be There. Uh, and originally, Let's Get Serious was not on his mind on doing that with the orchestra like that, but they, they sounded amazing. So he went for it and it, it sounded great. 
It was supposed to be a televised thing, but in the end, it wasn't televised. <laughs> so I think the world is not going to really be able to see what he's done there. Um, I have a few clips that I may share, but it, it sounded great with the orchestra. That's definitely something he enjoys doing. I hope he continues to get more more gigs like that. So that was the first part of his tour. And then um, then he went to Tokyo and he had four nights, one show a night at the Blue Note Tokyo, which is obviously a place that Tito's been visiting and playing a lot over the past 10 years. But it was the first time for Jermaine. And um, uh, there was a band from the United States. These band members play with the brothers for a long time. So uh, Jermaine added a lot of his own music, obviously, to the show and mixed it up. And he chose for a real good set, especially the last part, like the last 25 minutes was all heat, funk, like want to be sad something, working day and night, don't stop till you get enough. Jermaine Jackson's solo was, for me personally, one of the things that I wanted to see one day uh, and to, to be able to experience that from up close and working on the tour was amazing. I think he did great. The band sounded incredible. I took a gazillion videos, but um, I have to discuss which ones will be out, but I would enjoy it for people to see what he's been doing there. But the Blue Note was, is, is a concept, and so he's sort of inducted now there as an artist. I hope they'll have him back. I think so. So I hope it won't be the last time. Uh, but Jermaine did great. It was four nights of Japan Loves Jackson. So it was, it was good to see that. And wherever he went, people really adore and love him and the family and the legacy and the, the tradition that come with it. So again, I hope it wasn't the last time he's performing there or anywhere else. But uh, he had a great, great run of shows in at the Blue Note, Tokyo. So hopefully there will be videos out soon. Thanks, Yannicka. That was great to hear from you. We also have another report in the news uh, from Zach O'Malley-Greenberg at Forbes, I think. He's doing his yearly, it's like clockwork, <laughs> his yearly analysis of uh, the previous year and uh, who are the top earning dead celebrities within that year. And, of course, Michael Jackson comes out on top again. I think he's come out on top like every year or something for the last whatever, however many years we've been doing the MJ cast. But, uh, yeah, $60 million in the previous year. I think it must be financial year. I, I, the calendar year is not over, so not really sure there. But, yeah, $60 million of earning posthumously in my, uh, for Michael Jackson, uh, making him the number one spot. And number two is Elvis Presley on $39 million, which I still find pretty surprising because – uh, I guess there'd be a lot of Elvis streams happening, but I, I can't imagine a lot of people would be going out and buying, you know, like I, you don't hear about kids going, yeah, I'm going to go buy Elvis records or whatever. Just, yeah, I guess you're right. No, it's merchandise and licensing. Yeah. That's what it is for Elvis. Yeah. But yeah, I guess that's a good thing that Michael's still earning money. We don't really know the breakdown here. We don't know if this $60 million is coming from sales of music and it could be coming from asset sales as well. Probably is. <laughs> Well, I'm surprised that he isn't a number one place because last year I thought would have been the last year that he was number one because they then sold the Sony income that he had, the ATV catalog. Yeah. So this year it doesn't include any income from that because they sold it last year. So I predicted wrongly that Michael would not be number one this year because I thought that the loss of income in that would drop him down the list a bit. So I am surprised that he's still number one. Yeah, well, I mean, we have heard reports that after leaving Neverland, the streaming numbers went through the roof. 
had the opposite effect that Dan Reed wanted. So maybe that sort of had a, a big impact on the overall earnings. This is true. I'm trying to read the here online to see what the reason is for this spike. Well, not, it's not a spike. Did it go down anyways from last year? The earnings went down, I think, from last year, but he's still number one. Oh, wow. Last year, I'm pretty sure included the ATV sales. So it was like ridiculously big. Yes. And then correct. this year sort of normalized. Yes. Yeah. Last year's figure included a one-time windfall of nearly $300 million for the sale of this Emmy Music Publishing, as well as a Halloween special that they did with Sony. Did that even air at Halloween this year in the US? No, nope. we did not see it this year. Wow. Thank God. Wow. So they only got one year out of that. They were like so keen and pushing it to be like a yearly tradition and then they didn't even air it. Yeah. Okay. Finals news topic, which I have quickly read the article this morning. I had only seen a few little sort of tweets about it. So this was learning about it really for the first time was HBO's The Apollo documentary. It is not about the space missions. It is about the famed theater in New York. There is a documentary and it excludes the Jackson 5 as a significant part of the venue's history. For some reason, director Roger Ross Williams has decided to leave out the incredible legacy that helped the Apollo theater with the uh, Jackson's Jackson 5 performing there as they started their meteoric rise to fame. What a glaring omission. But again, with HBO's involvement, what a surprise. Not. Mm. How disappointing. Mm, completely disappointing. Uh, the Apollo Theater is a place, it's sort of like a iconic, almost spiritual venue for black music and music in general. Um, it's had people perform there like James Brown and just Motown greats. And of course the, the Jackson five and uh, it, to, to leave them out, the Jackson five was such a big part of its rise to popularity and, and black music's rise to popularity in general in the sixties and seventies. It's all intertwined as a story really. And to leave out the Jacksons is just unbelievably disrespectful. And Taj Jackson's on Twitter railing against their decision to exclude good, good. Jackson 5. Because this time, it's not just excluding Michael. They're excluding Jermaine, Tito, Randy, Marlon, Jackie. You know, it's they're, they're excluding the family here. And, and Mike, this is not just Michael's legacy. This is the family's legacy in the musical landscape. Uh, and very, very disappointing and disrespectful. And, and I hope more fans join Taj and challenge HBO around this as well. Okay, documentary to be released November 8, 2019. Last week. It's here, so it already it was a week yeah. ago. So if you have a HBO, you can watch it now. I don't have it, so I'm, I'm not going to have it either. So I'll expect for people's reviews. <laughs> but I, I've heard about these uh, people complaining before the November 8 release. So I don't know if they were just basing it off of the trailer. And I hope, I hope this is not one of those... Elton John kind of things where we just judge on what a headline says no, instead of watching I, the whole thing. I think thing. it is definitely nothing mentioned in the show. Yeah, I trust Taj, you know, like, and he's very, very, very upset about it. Oh, I, I see. Yeah, yeah. Well, he probably has some insight from somebody else. 
And I don't see I don't see Michael Jackson on the list of artists here on IMDb or the Jackson Five, so he's not in there. Mm crazy mm-hmm. well that was our unprepared review of the latest news folks thank <laughs> you very much okay and now we're going to cross to another correspondent update from our legal correspondent hero of the community <laughs> and collaborator with taj jackson around the new upcoming docuseries on michael jackson's innocent mr charlie thompson Recent months have seen significant updates in three important court cases involving the michael jackson estate Firstly, a legal battle over the inclusion of fake songs on a posthumous album may have been resuscitated after the claimant won an appeal at the Supreme Court. Fan Vera Sarova has been suing Sony and the Michael Jackson estate for five years over the inclusion of three fake songs on the 2010 album, Michael. The corporations have managed to extract themselves from the case on freedom of speech grounds. They claim that a statement on the CD cover that Jackson was the vocalist was not commercial speech designed to sell a product, but actually a contribution to a public interest debate about art. The Court of Appeal bought that argument, but Sarova took her case to the Supreme Court, which has now sent it back to the Court of Appeal, and asked it to reconsider. Earlier this month, the Michael Jackson estate lost the latest battle in its lawsuit against HBO over the TV show Leaving Neverland. Lax defamation laws mean that because Jackson is dead, HBO cannot face any action for libel or slander. However, the estate found an old contract which it argues means HBO can be held accountable via another avenue. In the early 1990s, HBO entered into a contract with Jackson over the broadcast of a concert. That contract included a non-disparagement clause, meaning HBO agreed not to badmouth Jackson. Although the contract is now more than 25 years old, the estate's lawyers argue that it is still legally enforceable. In court earlier this month, they said that if HBO today decided to break the copyright clauses of the contract and start distributing the concert, there would be no argument over whether they were in breach. It would be an open and shut case. Thus, they said, how can the non-disparagement clause of the same contract be viewed any differently? HBO claims that the lawsuit is an attempt to chill freedom of speech and oppress journalism. The Jackson estate says the TV show is not journalism and is in fact an act of reckless anti-journalism, lacking any balance, objectivity, or attempt at proper fact-checking. The estate is fighting for public arbitration over the issue. Earlier this year, Judge George H. Wu granted the estate the arbitration it was asking for. However, HBO has filed an appeal against that decision, and earlier this month, Judge Wu granted HBO a stay, meaning the case cannot move forward now until their appeal has been heard. The estate's lawyers said in court that this could delay the case by up to 30 months. Finally, a law change in California could make it easier for Wade Robson and Jimmy Safechuck to extract money from Michael Jackson's estate via allegations of childhood abuse. Assembly Bill 218, which comes into effect on January 1st, 2020, increases the amount of time that accusers have to file claims against their alleged abusers. They now have up until their 40th birthday, or up to five years after they claim they discovered that they suffered psychological trauma from their alleged abuse. An estate lawyer confirmed to the MJ cast last week that Robson is already arguing that the law change should be applied retroactively to his case. Thank you so much, Charlie Thompson, for explaining all that stuff that 
I had been missing when I was on holiday, and now I have a much better understanding. Absolutely. Let's uh, let's lift this episode now with an awesome new mix from Groofunkle. It's a Jackson's track called Your Ways, and this is the new Groofunkle remix. All right, there we go. All right, let's do it.
This is Al Scanlon, better known as Big Al. I was the manager of the amusement park at Neverland for 15 years, and I want to welcome everybody to MJ Cast. Now, yeah, let's get into our time to get into our main discussion topics. Let's go. All right. So it's been a big couple of weeks. Uh, Janet's been touring uh, Australia, Janet Jackson, as a part of the R&B Fridays uh music festival that's traveled around most Australian major cities. Q, you saw Janet uh, about a week ago and I saw her last night. We both had a great time. What did you think of the show, Q? Well, wow. Yes, we saw the first of Janet's sets in Australia with the R&B Fridays tour, which is a massive music festival here in Australia with a lot of uh, big R&B names this year, there was Brandy, Jason Derulo. Um, I think Fat Man Scoop was one of the hosts. We had 50 Cent. Ugh, it was awful. Yes. Uh, Black Eyed Peas. Who else am I forgetting, Jamin? Yeah, Raekwon. I don't even know who that is. I think you got everyone. Okay, cool. Well, Janet was the headline act this year. So, that was uh, good for us. Maybe not so much for R&B Fridays. I think they may have misread the room having Janet as a headline act because 
the audience for this festival is actually quite young. Uh, and I think a lot of people might not have been very familiar with who Janet Jackson was. But it was terrific for us Jan fam throughout Australia and New Zealand coming up next that get to see Janet live as she celebrates the 30th anniversary of the Rhythm Nation tour. Incredible. I thought her set was amazing. We, I got there really late in the, um, proceedings. I only really got there and saw 50 Cent, which was awful. So I went and found the merch stand, <laughs> sent some photos to Hassa of what was for sale, uh, and then went back and he was still up on stage rapping and stuff. I'm like, Oh my God, when is this going to end? I love the videos that Hassa and Jesse put up from respective shows about having to endure 50 Cent. As an MJ fan, that was pretty hilarious. But then Black Eyed Peas were on just before Janet and they were amazing. And then Janet came out and in Perth, she did a about 45 minute set. She was only a few minutes late. It was only about 15 minutes later than the scheduled stage time for Janet. There was a slight uh, technical issue at the start of the show where they did the, the Janet countdown in the video. And then Janet didn't come out on stage at the end of the countdown. So that was a little bit awkward. DJ Active played like about one and a half Janet tracks to hype everyone up. And then the show began with control uh, and her awesome appearance on stage with the visuals. And uh, yeah, it was about 18 tracks for Perth that we had, and it was a terrific set. Uh, shout out to my MJ mates, Jermaine and Jesse DeVores. They, I already had a ticket, the Platinum area, which was not cheap, uh, but they called me up that afternoon and was like, hey Q, are you heading to the show on your own? Which I was. And Jermaine said, hey, how about you join us with a diamond ticket? So I sort of got like a last minute upgrade and I got to hang out with some good guys. So yeah, Jesse, Jermaine, Luke, who listens to the show as well, and a few other of their fan friends. One of them wasn't even really familiar with Janet. They'd given him a crash course during the day. So he was all <laughs> hyped up and excited. This was the first time seeing Janet for him, but for us, it was not the first time I'd seen Janet in 1995 uh, in February for her Janet World Tour. That was my first ever concert, which was amazing. Um, I saw her again in 2011 on her uh, Up Close and Personal Number Ones tour, which was really stripped back and very different to this. Uh, so this is my third time seeing Janet and it was incredible. Oh my God, we got such good songs like the Perth set list was Control, Nasty, If, which was like, whoa, so cool mm. seeing If again. Uh, when I Think of You, R&B Junkie, You Want This, Go Deep, Together Again, Miss You Much, Escapade, What Have You Done For Me Lately, Got Till It's Gone, That's The Way Love Goes, Run Away, and then we got The Knowledge which Michael was Jackson's amazing. favorite Janet song. Oh my God. Such a good track from Rhythm Nation. Mm. Um, All For You, which was a big highlight. Then we got smashed and exploded to death with Scream, which was, I guess I was so not expecting it, but I probably should have been because I'd been in study mode and hadn't listened to any Janet hyping myself up. I'd not been in the mindset of going to see Janet Jackson on stage at all because I was like studying and stressed out for exams. 
So when Scream happened, we were just, we were just beyond over the moon and we just like were shocked and so blown away and we were like hugging and then we were all crying. It was so hilarious. Uh, and then from Scream into Rhythm Nation to close her set and it was so good. It was awesome. I had such a great time with those guys. Thank you so much, Jermaine, for offering the ticket that, you know, your friend couldn't use. I had such a great time with you all. It was such a good atmosphere in our little group. The atmosphere around us was very different. We were the crazy fans, like Jesse and Jermaine were doing the choreography sort of all in time with the the kids and Janet on the stage, and that was so cool. And Janet sort of noticed the enthusiasm for our tiny little pocket of people, our tiny little group of fans, more than one occasion, because the rest of the crowd in Perth was not really feeling it as much of us not 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 the rest of the crowd the majority of the crowd was not reacting the same way we were because i really think they were not there to see janet jackson there were janet fans throughout the crowd but a lot of people left after black eyed peas because they were there and they wanted to see the other people the same reason i got there really late i didn't want to see i would like to have seen actually kerry hilson she was another show act um i would like to have seen kerry hilson and brandy but i just couldn't get there earlier than what i what i could so you know people leaving before janet or even during it's not that different to me getting there so late that i missed more than two-thirds of the other acts and i wasn't the only person arriving late for the show there were still other people getting there when i got there as well but yeah, I do think R&B Fridays maybe misread the room a little bit with putting Janet as a headliner. But we don't really have a pop music festival that tours Australia. So she couldn't really have headlined any other festival other than this one. Um, Perth crowd was disappointing. I was pretty embarrassed by the, the crowd in Perth. And people knew some of the songs, like um, Together Again, that went down... That was that was a big one, actually, together again. That's the way love goes and run away. They they were pretty big. Scream was massive. Like the audience reaction to Scream was huge, which was really very positive and an amazing experience. So people singing and mic up on stage, I think they were pretty thrilled to see as well. And Janet overall, I thought she did an amazing set. I thought she did it incredible. The dances were terrific. I thought the staging was really good. Um, the kids, they rocked it. And I, what I really, I was talking to John Cameron, um, who does the amazing John Cameron's musicology podcast. I was talking to him during the week about it. And he made a really good point that the backup dancers, they really were there as backup. They came out, they did backup when Janet and the song called for it. But when it didn't, it was just Janet on stage. And they were really either in the background or not on stage at all. And that was actually really well done, really good staging. But I had an incredible time. I got some great videos. Thank you for all the attention on social media for the Scream clip that I posted. Amazing. I wish, yeah, I wish I could have posted the whole clip, which then went into Rhythm Nation. Um, I don't know how I even kept the camera on the stage as well as I did because we were literally going off hugging and just reacting so big in the audience so i don't even know how i got footage that decent 
But yeah, thank you again, Jermaine and Jesse, for letting me join your little group that night and the upgrade. It was amazing. And yeah, I don't know if Janet will come back to Australia. I don't think anytime soon at all. But this was an amazing experience seeing her again. It gave me the vibes I had back in 95 seeing her on the Janet tour. It was it was big. It was really good. Awesome time. And I still cannot believe I saw Janet on stage the same year that I saw the Jacksons, her brothers, at a music festival on stage as well. Aren't we lucky? One year we've seen the Jacksons and Janet Jackson on stage. That blows my mind and I'm quite sure will never happen again. Four years I've been doing the MJ cast wanting to see them, having never seen them, and then in one year saw them all. <laughs> Crazy. So good. So this was your, yeah, for, like you said, first year seeing the Jacksons earlier this year, but this is your first time seeing Janet Jackson as well, Jamin. So last night, fresh off the boat, here you are. How was it? <laughs> well, well, actually, my story starts a couple of nights ago because um, what happened was I was sitting at home and uh, I'd organized on the uh, two nights ago on Thursday night to uh, hang out with Hassa in Brisbane, a mate, a really good listener of the show um, and a, a good friend as well. And Hassa is traveling around Australia and seeing a majority of Janet shows and uh, loving it. He's a huge Janet fan. He, uh, We organized to hang out on Thursday night. And he, he sort of gave me a call in the afternoon. I was not expecting this. We were going to go out for a burger and everything together. But uh, I got this call from him and he was like, hey, guess what? I kind of know where Janet's hotel is. Uh, we'd been tipped off by a, another big Janet fan, uh, a new friend of mine, Jacob. Shout out to Jacob. Great, great guy. And um, yeah, Hassa called me and said, you know, just get over here. She she left the hotel a little while ago and just, just get over here. So, I went there and we waited outside. I was doing A-grade stalking. Like, I, I totally got the feel of what it would have been like when you tell stories, Q, of like back in the day in the 90s when MJ was traveling around and fans hanging outside hotels. <laughs> you know, it really did feel like that because it was a lot of waiting, like four hours or more. She Unfortunately, she arrived back at the hotel like five minutes before I got there. So, I didn't see that. But- we didn't expect this, but half an hour after that, she left the hotel again and um, in, in her black Mercedes van. So, uh, I had the bright idea. I'm like, guys, we got to, you know, why are we standing over this side of the driveway? She's If she's going to exit the hotel, she's going to come out the other side. So, we went over there and um, sure enough, the black Mercedes came out. I was going crazy, like fan style. I was holding up my um, True You autobiography book and um, <laughs> I had my lanyard on cue. You were hoping for an and- autograph. <laughs> I really was. So, I was holding it up. I was smiling. I was beckoning her like hand gestures. Come on, come out of the car. And um, yeah, so the car slowed down and the bodyguard in the front, I don't know his name. He was doing these like hand gestures like no, no, no. Um, but they slowed down regardless. And we could see Janet through the, the, the window and she was smiling and had a, you know, big aviators on and um, the awesome hair. And it was really cool to see her. So, she noticed us and then and then left. We found out later she had gone with the crew to the Boom Boom Room in Brisbane for a, a sort of a crew party. Um, so, I guess they had to get to that and um, didn't see her arrive back at the hotel after that. Or even the next day after the concert, we didn't see her come back either. And I waited there for a good hour and a half or so. So, that was a bit unfortunate. was really hoping to meet her, but let's get to the concert. So, yes, I went to the show yesterday and I got there... Um, 
I got there just after Brandy finished. Unfortunately, oh, I wanted to see Brandy as well. Damn. But Terry, my mate, I went with my mate Terry. We decided to have a burger <laughs> instead because we were starving. I'd worked all day and hadn't had lunch. So, we had some food and, and a drink. Great burger just near the RNA showgrounds. And uh, then we went in for, I think we arrived just when Jason Derulo was starting. First thing I did was go to the merch stall and buy you a Metamorphosis t-shirt queue. Thank you. That's okay. You're going to love it. It looks great. Um, the husband was like, why did you not buy a t-shirt? And I was like, well, I'd already paid so much money for a ticket. And I was like, oh, God, 40 bucks for a t-shirt is so rich. And then he was like, you're crazy. I was like, ah, oh, I'll just ask Jamin. <laughs> yeah. He's got money in the kitty for it. Well, yeah, it's a literal shoebox. But anyway, we've got an MJ Cash shoebox <laughs> full of cash. Um, so we, uh, we bought, um, the shirt and then I went into the show and the first act we saw was Jason Derulo. Terry and I went in, my friend, and, uh, in the stands was Marnie, uh, a friend of the show, Marnie, who's been on in the past. And we saw the Jacksons Money. with her. So, she waved and, and texted me. She noticed us come in. So, we sat with her and uh, we saw I was really impressed by um, a lot of the, the the acts leading up to Janet. I really, really like Jason Derulo. I know people out there have said there's a lot of playback happening there. But, yeah, I don't, I didn't, couldn't tell the difference because I'd never seen him live before ever. Yeah, really, really good set from him. Great dancer. Lots and lots of Michael Jackson inspired moves happening, which was cool to see. Um, who else did I see? So was it allocated seating? Uh, no. And that was actually a huge, we actually complained about it and got some free drinks. Cause when we got there, security, we went to row G where our seats were in the platinum sitting section. And the security was like, yeah, we're not following that. Just sit wherever you want. Um, so that was a real sort oh. of annoying, weird thing. So Marnie complained and we got three free drinks, which was great. Yeah. So we watched some of the feature acts and or support acts, I should say, or, or, Acts leading up to Janet and uh, 50 Cent was absolute trash, like really bad. I only watched <laughs> half of it. I'm not even kidding. I'm not just saying that because he badmouthed Michael. He was really, really boring. He he had no energy. He walked around the stage. He looked bored. Um, he had these two giant inflatable, inflatable champagne bottles behind him trying to sell his whatever drink he's got going at the moment. Um, it was so boring. You could hardly hear him in the mix. I think he was just mumbling most of the time. What was the crowd reaction to him? Bad. It was bad. Really? Yep. In Perth, they seemed pretty positive for oh, him. They were excited when he came out, but most of his songs were just boring. He, he literally played only, you know, he only really has three big hits like PIMP, In The Club and, I don't know, Candy Shop. So, um, those three were reasonably big, but like for the rest of his 30 whatever minute set, it was just these boring, boring, slow, like rap songs and the crowd was dead. They weren't jumping. It was boring. So, um, 50 Cent happened. We went out during then anyway to case out, sort of trying to get into the platinum area, bit, bit dodgy. But um, I actually genuinely thought I could get in there based on my platinum sitting ticket. I thought it would get me into the platinum standing area, but turns out it didn't. The security guard caught me trying to get in, tapped me on the shoulder. It was like, you need to leave. <laughs> Tried to debate with him about it, but didn't work. So anyway, we left, went back to the platinum sitting area. It was pretty far back from the stage, which was a bit disappointing, but... Yeah, the, uh, my mate really wanted to sit down for the show. I don't know why, but he really wanted to and I didn't want to rock the boat. So, next Janet show I'll go to, I'll definitely be standing. But hey, I had a good view of the crowd. So, um, Black Eyed Peas came on and um, they were really good. Uh, Will I Am is a really bad performer. Heads up. If you've uh, not <laughs> seen uh, Black Eyed Peas before, he looked like a 
a seal having some kind of spasm attack most of the time. He's got very bad rhythm, uh, just sort of like jostling around on the stage. <laughs> uh, not a very, yeah, not a lot of rhythm, but good rapper and uh, good vocalist or live vocals from what I could tell. And the Black Eyed Peas music is amazing. And I really enjoyed the uh, the other guys with him, Apple, the app. And um, I can't remember the other guy's name, the Filipino guy. He's awesome. But um yeah, great, great songs. Oh, hit after hit after hit after hit. They just have an amazing catalogue. And um, the crowd was going psycho. How good was their sound as oh, well? really good. Like, at the their opening, I don't know about where you were sitting at the back, but at the front, oh, my God, like, all of our internal organs were, like, turned to jelly from the bass. Oh, and we were, like, having us. to cover our ears. Okay, good. Yeah, because we had- They had big speaker setups at the rear of the arena as well. So, we had um, mm. really good sound. And um, I love the Black Eyed Peas. They were probably one of the- I, I, I remember buying their Ellie Funk album in grade 10 and falling in love with it. And every song on that album is just amazing. So they, they rocked it. They connected with the audience so well. They talked about how Australia was where they really found success as platinum artists for the first time based on Where is the Love? It went number one here and didn't go number one in the US from memory. Um, and they, uh, they really connected with us. They promised us that they would be back in 2020 for a full Black Eyed Peas show. So I'll definitely go to that. They were great to see live. Yeah, really fun. So um, after the Black Eyed Peas, then um, things changed dramatically. And it was a bit of a downer for me because it was the back of the arena and I could see the entire crowd. And it's not a exaggeration to say that after the Black Eyed Peas, a huge portion of the crowd was streaming out of the exits. Uh, by the time Janet got a couple of songs in, there was about 40% less people in the arena than what were there for Black Eyed Peas, which was a bit sad to see. Uh, and I hope Janet didn't notice that. <laughs> um, the grandstands next to us were pretty much empty and the floor was thinned out. So, it was a bit sad to see that and I hope she didn't notice it. Look, that didn't detract from her set because her set was really, really good. Uh, now, I know there's been some negative press about Janet uh, and her tour and uh, obviously- yeah, thanks, Perth Reviews. And and obviously, look, let's be honest, there was some playback. There always has been with Janet. Some. Some. I'm not going to yep. get into how much because I don't know. I'm not a like as big a fan of Michael where I can tell instantly what's playback and not. With Janet, it was a bit harder. Hassa, though, knows what was playback and what's not. And he was saying that it was much more live in Brisbane than um, it had been in previous tours that he'd seen. So, um, no, it was a really, really good uh, set. Amazing. We we actually got some different stuff to what you got, and we got a bit of a longer set as well, from what I know. Hassa said that out of all the shows yeah. he'd seen in Australia, he thought the Brisbane one was the best. So, what we got in Brisbane was Control, Nasty, If, When I Think of You, R&B Junkie, You Want This, The Best Things in Life Are Free, What's It Gonna Be? I Get Lonely, Together Again, Miss You Much, Escapade, What Have You Done For Me Lately, Got Till It's Gone, That's The Way Love Goes, Run Away, Made For Now, All For You, Scream, and then an extended Rhythm Nation. And uh, for me, the highlights for sure were I Get Lonely, was not expecting that. I love Velvet Rope. Uh, I loved Got Till It's Gone, one of my favorite Janet songs. Look, I just enjoyed the whole thing, to be honest. Like, R&B Junkie, everything. If was amazing. That was a crowd favorite, actually, in Brisbane, If. Um, so, a few of the songs went off really well. Scream was awesome. The actual uh, mix of Scream into Rhythm Nation was super well done. Uh, the DJ that was doing Janet's stuff was really modernizing everything and making it awesome. 
Uh, the dancing was phenomenal. The choreography was just intricate and so like just watching 50 Cent compared to Janet, 50 Cent was just 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 walking around like an idiot and Janet was 45 minutes or more non-stop co- intricate like fierce choreography she just was amazing and it was so disappointing to see the crowd willing to pay for everyone else and then leave for Janet who was just an industry icon and amazing but anyway so great great show really enjoyed it as my first Janet concert some definite highlights for me were the choreography in a lot of the songs you could really see in the in the um, as a Michael fan watching Janet, I could really see that late 80s choreography from the Rhythm Nation tracks and how it really did inspire Michael's early 90s dangerous military style stuff in the Dangerous World Tour. Hugely. Hugely. Yes. I was watching that and I was thinking, this is real Michael. And I'm like, hang on. No, no, no. I got it wrong way. Michael's really Janet <laughs> with this mm-hmm. stuff. And um, That's funny you mentioned that actually. Paul Black and I, when we had our last catch up a few months ago- Ooh, that was like a, a big thing where Paul had gone through a lot of the early Janet stuff, um, from the, from the like late 80s and 90s. And we always think of Michael as a pioneer, but so much stuff Janet did first. Absolutely. In, like music and definitely in videos and performances and style and costumes and, you know, so much like, yeah, they both influenced each, each other, other hugely. But we often we get the timeline wrong and yep. we think, oh, you know, Janet, and it's not. Janet actually did so much stuff yeah. first. To me, they're like, I think of them as like the kings and queen of, of the 90s, really. The late 80s and 90s. They they just ruled together um, as brother yep. and sister. Um, awesome, awesome stuff. So, great show. Loved it. Met some amazing people. After the show, we went back to the hotel. Didn't get lucky to see her, but hung out with Jacob and Hassa and Marnie some more and my mate Terry. And I got to meet this amazing fan. Um, I, I made Jacob and uh, this fan, Katie, uh, <laughs> subscribe to the MJ cast. So, shout out to Katie and, and Jacob, new listeners to the show. And Katie has an amazing story. She told me that she'd seen this was her 63rd Janet show and that she had had an original she was holding up an original uh 1993 janet t-shirt that you can see in the show art and that she is featured prominently in the velvet rope dvd at madison square garden as one of the fans in the audience that's shown in the broadcast quite a lot so um really cool to meet her and uh it was a great experience overall really grateful to see janet and i just hope she comes back and does maybe a Maybe a little a gig, maybe a theatre gig or something like that. I hope she comes back and, and does another gig for Janet fans to go to and really enjoy without all the idiots um, that just came for 50 Cent. So, yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I don't think she will. I think mm. this is it. This is it. I think especially for Perth and um, maybe Adelaide, there is just not the fan base for Janet to support an entire solo gig like even in 2011 she was um doing that smaller sort of tour and that was in a theater and that wasn't sold out here in perth but her, or, or adelaide her last giant australian hits were the single all for you and maybe son of a gun and 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 that's like 2001 or something it's, yeah so yeah it's been a long time since drinks even her new song joy fm and melbourne were playing it made for now I never heard it once no. on any other radio station. Radio just would not play Janet 
and didn't play Janet. So another reason I think R&B sort of misread the room. I'm very grateful they misread the room because we had such an amazing experience. The fans had an amazing experience, but just it was sad that Janet was not able to get the respect that she deserves from the audience here. Agreed. Now, the couple of people I mentioned before, if you are a listener and you're a big Janet fan, you got to follow these people on Twitter. At HASA81, Hassa. Now, this guy has gone, he's on Instagram and Twitter and everywhere, but Hassa, he's, like I said, traveled and seen every show and filmed pretty much all of them. So, if you want to know about the intricacies of the set list and the differences between each one, follow that guy. Another huge fan, Jacob, really great guy. He had a custom made Janet t shirt with an anime version of. Um, Scream Janet on the front. Really cool. Great guy. He's a huge MJ fan. His like profile pic on Twitter is literally an MJ innocent picture. So he's, he loves Michael and Janet. And his, his Twitter is at Jacob underscore James 1814. Great, great guy. And of course, the wonderful Marnie, who's got a private Twitter account. So I won't share that handle, but awesome time. What was the crowd reaction from your vantage point to Scream? Huge. It was it was massive. The the biggest songs in terms of crowd reaction were um Together Again, If and Scream from what I was seeing. Wow. And Scream was just was was mind blowing and when she said, you know, come on Mike, like that was that got a big applause and a big scream and and oh actually another thing that got a big um well I wasn't expecting it because I hadn't seen any of the videos coming out from fans because I wanted to be surprised. But right at the very end, a really emotional moment for me was when she was like in, during the end of the breakdown for um Rhythm Nation, she was like, This is for my brothers, the Jacksons. And then her and the dancers all did the shovel and the funk um dance oh. routine for like twenty seconds. So she, what? yeah, she did a big tribute to Michael with Scream and then did a tribute to all of her brothers. So that was really emotional for me to see that. I loved it. How was it for you as an MJ fan, as well as a Janet fan, seeing Scream performed live? I, I loved hearing Michael's vocals in an arena and hearing the crowd reaction to it. Like I've always said, you say what you want about Michael. The press can say what they want about Michael. But as soon as Michael's performance is put front and center, none of that matters. Everyone shuts up. Everyone gets excited. And it's the king of pop. And it was really electrifying. I loved it. And, of course, I've always got emotional ever. Like, whenever Janet defends her brother, you know, whether it's a photo of them together, whether it's her protesting the allegations with the Pervert 2 t-shirt at MTV, whether it's the Scream video, whether it's the Lifetime Achievement speech, it's... Whenever Janet is there protecting and defending her big brother, I get emotional. And it was like that last night because she put it on the line, you know, there was leaving Neverland, but there was Michael's little sister on stage saying, come on, Mike, and performing with him. So, she's got his back. So, you've seen the Jacksons this year, you've seen Janet this year live on stage. Did they live up to your expectations? They did. And like- I guess what I would say is, I don't want to compare them, but I would say that, like, Janet would definitely appeal to people that are more into choreography um, and dancing and the spectacle, whereas the Jacksons are genuinely Motown, true, trained, no-tricks showmen. And both of them amazed me, but still, looking back on the year- I think I walked into the Jacksons expecting some washed up old men <gasps> and I walked out. I, I did. I thought they're not going to be like they were. They're in their 60s. They're in their, they're not going to be like they were. 
but I walked out going, holy crap, no wonder these guys conquered the world, you know, because they're just, it was all pitch perfect, awesome vocals. I was talking to some fans last night at the hotel and they were like, we were talking about the Jacksons and I said how much I love their show. And even, um, yeah, some of the other fans I were talking to were like, really? They're horrible. Like, they were like, I couldn't believe it. I was shocked that Janet fans and Michael fans didn't, weren't vibing with the Jacksons. And they were like, really? They're not that great live. Did they, did they, were they actually people that had seen them? Yeah. Oh, actually, no, they didn't go to the, I doubt they have, to be honest, because they didn't go to the recent tour and I'd be surprised if they went to the Unity tour. So, they hadn't seen them. And then they, when I said, I even went as far to say, I, I went, look, I think out of all the living Jacksons, Jermaine's probably the best vocalist. And they all laughed at me. And I'm like, like, have these guys seen them live? Come on. They're actually really good. So, I'm glad I've seen all the Jacksons that have come to Australia this year. They've all shocked and surprised me with how awesome they are. And I'll definitely do it again. Jason, when was the last time that you got to see Janet live? Jason's asleep. I'm not ready for that answer. <laughs> I gotta go back to my Facebook and find my video. Dude, I know this. I remember you told us on a show once you saw her at like a rodeo, the Texas rodeo. I did, but I don't remember the year. Isn't it 2000? And um, you told us it was. Did you find it? Yeah, here it is. Found it. Uh, it's published back in nine years ago. You can actually hear it a little bit right now. You can't hear it, right? Nope. No. Yeah, well, that was a long time ago. That was nine years ago, back in 2010. She came here to the rodeo in Houston, and pretty much what you guys said, everybody was a little bit uh, just just they loved the, the the scene, the music, the the screens, the pyrotechnics. But when Michael came up, everybody just went crazy a little bit because they, they, everybody recognizes that song for some reason, or maybe they just like Michael. I don't know, but it's it's great when that song comes up, uh, especially for us fans because that really hits. As Jamin said, the speakers just get blown, and and the choreography together is just it's just amazing. Uh, so yeah, I understand how, what you just went <laughs> completely. Have you had, and how how did how would you rate Janet as a performer after seeing her? When I saw her here, the the rodeo here is such a big thing that might might help for an artist to really go at it. But I do remember she was like with the audience, making them trying to dance, talking to the audience a lot. Her energy was really, really good. I'm talking more like the videos I've seen on, on YouTube and stuff of her concerts. I like the show. I, I like the show. I don't think she dances as, as hard as she used to back in the 90s. And uh, I think she should... I don't know if she should change anything. I mean, she's an icon already. When you're an icon, you can get away with many things. But as a new guy watching her, you know, because I'm not a fan. I've never followed her before. So for me to watch it for the first time, I think she got to put more energy into it. So she can grab me into her stuff. I don't know why Why is that. Maybe she just doesn't think she needs to, which is fine for her fans. But to me, a little more effort <laughs> I would put into it. I think back then it seemed definitely the energy level seemed very different when I saw her this year compared to sort of the same time you saw her, Jason. I saw her in 2011. The energy back then seemed less, it was a bit more subdued. When I saw her last week, it was very elevated compared to 2011. Yeah. I, that's why I was getting like the, the 95 Janet tour vibes because the energy was closer to that not only from her but what we were getting from her in the audience and our reactions to it 
um was her energy yeah. for you last night Jamin was pretty pretty high yeah it it really was like she Marnie and I both looked at each other and and just like wow like I mean there were times where we looked at each other as well and we're like oh okay that's pretty obviously you know probably lip sync that bit but there were a lot of times where it was like this woman has just done you know 45 to 50 minutes of non-stop choreography and it really was that it there was there was you know there was a couple of slow jams but like mainly it was just intricate yeah. high energy um dance routines with her dancers and clearly they put a lot of effort into just rehearsing and rehearsing and rehearsing and getting that right so yeah a lot of energy um yeah and janet's good. now what 51 52 something like that F- 53 what? i think that's crazy like that's Maybe, yeah. incredible, mother. Fifty-three year old mother. Incredible. No, yeah. it was. Yeah, it was going to be a huge highlight that I'm going to remember for a very long time. But that's that's just me on rehearsal. Maybe. Yeah, I think that she is adapting her choreography to her abilities compared to the young kids now. Okay. Well, let's let's leave it at that. You guys did such a good review. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. It's good to get a bunch of perspectives. It is. All right, well, we're going to play a Janet track for you now. Take it away, Janet. Come on, baby, let's get away. Let's save our troubles for another day. Come go with me, we've got it made. Let me take you on an escapade. Sure, you caught my eye, thought you'd wanna hang for a while. 
Hi, this is Brian Loren, songwriter producer for Michael Jackson, and you're listening to Jamin and Q on the MJ Cast. Love that song. So glad we played that one. And now it's time for us to move on to the next discussion topic. And this one is one that people will not be expecting. And you need to, you know, just go into this with an open mind of what's going on here. But we are going to be talking about the next steps for the MJ cast. And of course, podcasts are things, especially podcasts where there's no money from them like ours, are things that are labors of love and are things that can't- Wait, you're not getting paid? I'm not getting oh, paid. So no, we're not getting is, paid. This is, this is awkward. This is awkward. <laughs> and, uh, I'm joking. They're the things that- um, Look, let's be real. Things don't stay the same way forever. And a podcast is something where people put tireless energy in every week without getting paid. And uh, it's time now, five years in, for the MJ cast to continue on, but to change up a little bit for next year. So- Q, talk us through what's happening. So, Jason, you've sort of been through this a little bit already where your um, audience has adapted to like a new format, a new branding and that kind of thing. Maybe just really quickly, Jason, let us know how that went for you guys when it was time for um, the MJ cast en Espanol to expand and to evolve into MJ Radio. How was that process for your listeners? Did it go quite well? Actually, for us, it went pretty smoothly in that sense and the transition. Uh, we started uh, doing, we, we changed our server, obviously, because, you know, every, every podcast needs to have their own server. So that was a hard part that I had to deal with. <laughs> and the girls, they deal with the, the social media. We were lucky that you guys were very supportive and let us use the same Twitter handle. We just kind of changed it up a little bit. And we were able to uh, update that. So in that sense, it went pretty smoothly. The, the My server people, uh, the company I use, uh, were very nice to allow me to backtrack and, and upload all the old episodes and, and put the date, the original dates that they were aired on. So that was that looks really nice. But uh, on the sense that the followers, yeah, it was kind of hard and still is trying to get more people to follow us. And uh, that, that's basically the main uh, thing that we struggle with which is uh, getting more followers and more listeners and more more of that you know but that's a struggle every day for every podcast i think yeah well you know when you did sort of uh branch out and able to shape your own future under your own own brand and your own umbrella i think that you've been so good at continuing that and expanding and building on your basis that you started uh, over at the MJ cast and you've done really well with the ladies and we're really proud of all you guys have achieved. So well done. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you very much. So with our show, the MJ cast over here, five years in and this year, I think we've been very lucky. This has been some of the most incredible content we've ever produced. But behind that is so much work. And especially for Jamin, who edits most of the episodes together. Jason is actually guest editing this episode because Jamin has no computer at the moment. So thank you so much, Jason, for editing this particular episode together and for the episodes when Jamin was becoming a father for the first yes, time and, and his daughter was born and he was unavailable to edit. So, you know, you saved 
the MJ cast during that big stretch over a couple of months at that time as well. But there is so much work that Jamin does to get this show together and the workload, it doesn't get less ever. And then Q comes along with all these grand ideas <laughs> and makes things so much more complicated and terrific show and great format that has done all of us so well. But it is all of my ideas. They really do just add workload to poor Jamin. So they're all great ideas. They, they really are. Thank you. So we want the MJ cast to continue. We, we all love the MJ cast and what it offers for our listeners and for the community and the, the, the listener base we've made and the friends we've made. And it's important, not just for, for us, but also for thousands of listeners. So there was no doubt that we want the MJ cast to continue. But for order that to happen, it is going to have to evolve slightly so that the workload for Jamin is able to be managed and balanced with his full-time and quite intensive job. And also, he's a dad and a husband, so he has to worry about that as well. So don't stress, the MJ cast is going to be back next year, but it will have a slightly different format, release schedule, and team where Jamin will continue on as his current like role of editor and host. And then there'll be like guest hosts that join Jamin for those episodes next year for the discussions and things like that. And I will be back as guest host throughout the year, numerous times next year, I'll be back, but I won't be here full-time host like the last five years. And that's really the only change. So it's not that big a change. Yeah. It's probably more of a big deal for us internally than it will be for listeners because, you know, the team's changing a little bit, but like you said, Q, um, next year is going to be a bit more like what it's like in the last two months, actually. If you've noticed, we've only put an episode out once every month for the last couple of months. That's been accidental, actually. But um, next year, it'll be more like that. We're gonna, there's going to be less episodes, maybe 12 to 13 or 14 a year. They're going to be – my idea is to have them much more focused on Michael and much more focused in terms of what they are. Just a discussion around the current news items happening at that time and and maybe some uh, deep dive discussions here and there. So, less shows, more simple, more focused, easier to edit, easier to manage, but still continuing the MJ cast on. And, of course, still special episodes with, with uh, people who knew and worked with Michael Jackson, of course. But um, it is a big sort of change for us. Uh, we've we've had to, even though this has been our, I think our best and strongest season. Oh yeah, it's it's been one that's taken its toll, I guess, because of partly because of leaving Neverland, but also because my daughter's growing up and work's getting intense and balance is needed. So I think the MJ cast is things have a way in life of forcing change on itself, so everyone's happy. I think this change needs to happen for the MJ cast to continue, but also for the participants to still enjoy doing it, if that makes sense. You know, I don't even say that there's going to be less episodes because when I said that on my show, I had even more episodes because <laughs> things happen and we're like, oh, now we have this anniversary. Oh, now we have this guest. Oh, now we have this. And, uh, you know, I, so I get so excited that uh, 
I just go back and record a whole bunch. <laughs> yeah. But hey, you know, every every uh, podcast is different, of course, and uh, you guys are very uh, structured in that way. I'm more laid back. I, I record if I can and if I don't. But we, we do have that. We have the more like a monthly kind of thing. But we have done a lot of them where we release three in one month. I mean, yeah. it's just goes crazy like that so and and yeah people 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 like it people enjoy having us uh missing us a little bit you know because once you get there so so often they get so used to that they be like i'll listen to them later yeah but when we're not we can see the reaction from the fans that we're like oh we miss it and they ask us for it when's the next episode coming out when we're waiting when you know and so it's it's nice to hear and to see that reaction because it makes us uh, feel like they actually value the work that we do because not always do we get messages valuing the work? I see you guys get a lot of those, uh, and 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 that's nice. That's nice to have that from the audience, but not everybody does, and not all the time. And sometimes we, I don't want to do it. You know, I'm tired, and, and I don't have the time, or whatever. But then somebody sends a, a message like that, and I'm like, oh, well, thank you. I gotta do. It. I gotta keep doing this. It motivates me to to keep on going. So yeah, it's a struggle. Yeah. But the people and their feedback is is what actually keeps me going besides the legacy that I want to leave for MJ as well. That's it. But the people, is, they're, they're, they're the ones that make me want to continue. Everything Jason just said. <laughs> Ditto. Well, that's actually, yeah, that's such a good point, Jason. Like the feedback that we get from our listeners is so incredible. Like some of the emails that we've got this year, you know, have so inspired us and given us such um, positivity and everything to, you know, not only keep going because there was no doubt that we were going to, you know, after everything that happened early this year that we were going to continue. There was never any doubt that we were never going to stop because other people were saying ridiculous stuff about MJ because we had a job to do and we love it. Yeah, Yeah, we went through that. Yeah, but like, Jamin, you know, you earlier this year, you went through that time where you were like, nope, I can't do this next I have to you know finish up and you sort of did like a big announcement and everything but then the feedback of the audience that Jason was talking about you know that really was something that helped you sort of able to come up with ideas of ways that we can continue yeah and it was more of a it was that and it was also just pride in what I'd done with you like it's pride in creating the show and I didn't want to let it go so it's, I don't know. It's, I've always said I love Michael Jackson and I love the MJ cast, but it has to fit into my life. I, I'm not fitting into Michael Jackson. I'm not fitting into the MJ cast. It has to be the other way around. Otherwise it becomes unhealthy. So it, it needs to change up and it will and it'll become simpler. And I hope people still engage with it and enjoy it. I'm a bit nervous going into next year because the rhythm we have now works because there's creative tension between us. Like you want it. You know, you have your vision for how the show should be, and then I have my vision, and then we meet in the middle and it works. Whereas next year, we're removing an element in a way, sort of, like even though you'll be on a lot of shows, there might not be that back and forth day to day. So, I am nervous about how it's going to pan out, but we'll see, and I hope it's still really good. I can understand that you'd be nervous, but I think, you know, the product that you produce is so good and the listeners, which we appreciate so much, love it so much that that's not going to stop. 
So I wouldn't be too nervous because if the people are listening now, there is no reason for them to stop listening next year because you're still going to be getting such a great show. It might just have a slightly different format. That's it. And, of course, um, Elise will still obviously be with us. Um, Yes, Elise is staying on the team and continuing to work on the the book ebook project in the background as well. Um, and helping put episodes together and our show notes. I just saw some text messages come through that the show notes are good to go pretty much. So yeah. And Charlie, you're still going to be talking to Charlie yeah. when you can. Yeah. The idea is that like, I just cycle through co-hosts. So like if there's a heap of legal stuff happening, I'll talk to Charlie. If there's a heap of music stuff happening, I'll talk to Damo. If there's a heap of, you know, like broad ranging topics you'll be on and, you know, it'd just be like, just those guests that people have heard over the years on our show, it'll be the same people, but it'll just be less, a bit more spaced out and we'll just cycle through them. And I doubt there'll be shows with more than one other person on them very much. So, um, I like that idea though. It'll be a little bit more intimate. It'll be just me and another big MJ fan. And hopefully the conversation will be a bit more, how do I put it? You know, a little bit more intimate and focused for people to enjoy. So, I've, I listen to a lot of pod- podcasts that are, have either finished up or the team's completely changed. Listeners, please don't approach it this way. It's not like that. It's, yes, we're changing up internally and the show format will change a bit, but you will still be hearing from Q throughout the year, um, just like you have. So, yeah. Yeah. We want the MJ cast to continue. Like, you know, even Jamin and I talking about how what would happen if both of us left the MJ cast were completely different viewpoints and ideas for the future of the show way down the track. Like, remember how completely opposite they were? Yeah, I mean, you 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 like the idea of one day handing over to a totally new team of people to continue the show, and I'm more of the opinion that it's sort of our creation and that when it finishes, it should finish, and if there is another team out there, they should start their own thing, yeah. and we, we have two different views on that, and I guess- We just want to- but we both really, at the moment, are so keen for it to continue on for as long as possible. And through Definitely. that, we came up with this solution. Oh, that yeah. Just you to help your workload and, you know, the stress and anxiety of getting the editing done and the time that it takes to do all of that. You know, it was very clear that we've been trying to get you to balance that for years already. And now it's happening. So, the show will go on. And thank you for that flexibility, Q. And and we will talk um, more in our Christmas special about, you know, retrospectively your contributions, which have been as much, if not more, than me in terms of the show format and content. Uh, so, it's not goodbye to Q, but I do want us to take a breather and to recognize and honor what you have made the MJ cast become in its current format. Because right now it's evolved to be the perfect version of what our collective vision was leading up to this point, I think, with correspondence and music and all of that. So, so thank you from the bottom of my heart. But What an amazing season yeah, it's been. It's been a pinnacle, I think. So, yeah. And, and I have deep pride as well that we were able to do this in the face of leaving Neverland for Michael because it would have been easy for us to back off, but I feel like we did it for Mike. Oh, for sure. Definitely. Every step. Let me tell you something, guys. Uh, the fact that you, you're nervous, I understand. But actually, the spacing it out might actually help the show because when you have that much free time, 
you're able to be more creative and to put even more effort in every episode. And it doesn't feel like as much as a pressure. And and you could even record three episodes in one month and then rest for three. Yeah. You know, stuff like yeah. that. Because I've done that. I've done that where I'm like, ah, I got nothing to do. You know, so I and, and then I record three. And then I take my time and I come up with ideas and I add things to the show, make it better and stuff like that. Because of uh, the time that I have, I have time to think about it and, and not so much to continue yeah. every, every, every week, every week, every week. But, you know, it, it'll give you the time to make make it even better. So I think the show will be even better now. I'm just saying that it'll get more creativity because obviously Q will continue to give you input because he will listen and be like, hey, <laughs> you could have done this over here. That. <laughs> so, you know, that'll be in there. Okay. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. Let me try that again next time. And then you will incorporate that. And, and I think I think exciting things are coming up for the MJ cast yeah, with this new format. I'm, sure. I'm eager to 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 hear you guys yeah. with this new. Yeah, place. and people people need to understand as well that the MJ cast in at its essence is me capturing conversations with some of my best friends. Right, and Q, you yeah. are one of my best friends, and like you, we are never going to stop talking about Michael, and I'm going to capture those conversations. It's going to happen, and just to relax people out there that are worried, oh, is it going to change too much, guys? I've already recorded <laughs> one of the best interviews we've ever done with one of Michael's closest collaborators. That is full of exclusive, and it will be the first episode of the next season. So do not worry. Yep, All right. <laughs> I haven't even heard that one, but I know about it, and I'm excited to hear it. Yeah. We'll see, you know, definitely I think next year will be a huge success for Jamin and that he'll have found a really good balance of work, family, and podcasting, editing and stuff. So, yeah, yeah this is... Definitely. I think, Jamin, that you have more fun being able to yeah. have the time to do it the way you actually prefer for the audience to hear it. Because sometimes you have a click here or a sound here and you want to remove it, but then you're, you can't yeah. because you got to continue the whole thing. And sometimes you leave off things be because you don't have the time to fix it. And, and then you hear it on the, once you publish it and you hear a noise or something, you're like, Oh, I could have taken that out. Should I do it? No, because I got to go do this now. So, but with the yeah. time, well, there's that, but you'll be able to fix all that. At the core of the stress is more. And this isn't a slide on you, Q. This is a compliment. But you have very, I guess, grand visions for the show being beyond a podcast, being, you know, like a community project with a lot of different things and, you know, a promoted community project. And I love all of, the, all of those grand visions, but I just... The, our biggest moments of tension probably come from where I, I'm, I feel unable to to commit or fulfill those things. And so, yeah, that's the root of it, I think. And that's being very honest, but with our audience. But, uh, I, I wish I was able to, to make it as grand, but, uh, the 3D hologram promos <laughs> that project out of people's phones and have <laughs> clips. Yeah. Somebody pay me a hundred thousand dollars a year. And I'll quit my job and do this full time. <laughs> I'll do the same right now. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And well, that's there we that. go. There's the news. And uh, don't stress. Don't stress. We got two more episodes this year. We're gonna have double Q at least. And Christmas is gonna be is gonna be a great celebration of of uh, of what Q's contributed. So I'm looking forward to that chat. Time for another music break. I've been waiting to play this track for so long. Oh my God. I wanted to play this song in the Michael Trapson episode, but we didn't. Here it is finally an incredible synthwave beat it mix. This is the Mute Mutant Remix beat from Michael Jackson. Let's do it. 
this is Diana Walzak, sculptor of the Michael Jackson history statue, and you're listening to the MJ Cast. All right. Well, there we go. That's episode 111. We're going to leave our finds of the week till our next regular episode, maybe Christmas. We'll see. But um, it's been a long episode, so we're going to wrap up now. Even though we've got our finds ready to go, we're going to save them to save a bit of time. But it's been a pleasure speaking with you, gentlemen. Thank you, Q, for being so candid about what uh, we're going through right now and the evolution of the MJ cast. It's exciting. Thank you. It is. And thank you, Jason, for joining us again to save the day like you've done so many times in the history of the MJ cast. My pleasure. Uh, thank you for guest editing this episode and hosting it with us. It was great to have this little reunion together. Yeah. And Jason will be back if the audience demands it. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Demand it. Who doesn't want to hear Jason's sexy accent? <laughs> yeah, that no, Mexican absolutely. Accent. And and you know what? We You've got to listen to Jason's show. Yeah. Jason, Sandra and Ali put out a great Michael Jackson podcast since Spanish. It's called MJ Radio. It started as the MJ cast in Espanol and then grew to its own thing. And uh, you got you got to track them down if you're not listening. They're great. Jason, tell us where we can find you online. Yeah, right. If you speak Spanish, come over uh, to our side and join us on our shows. We have amazing shows where we analyze the art and the music of Michael Jackson. People love our album specials. We're preparing the Invincible now. Who's, oh. People are asking for it over and over and over again. So I really hope to have a good guest that will help us, you know, really go into it and analyze the whole album. But we have a Peter Pan comparison to MJ episode with an expert on Peter Pan. We have so many other great things. So come and join us uh, for those specials if you like all that stuff. And for the regular news, just as you hear here, you can hear those over there with our opinions. Uh, most of them are the same because, you know, Q and, 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 and Jamin and us, I think pretty much the same way. But sometimes they are different and it's nice to hear sometimes the contrast on those opinions. So join us on mjradio.net or mjradio.net. So just for our listeners that weren't aware of uh, Jason, maybe from previous shows or Ale or Sandra, who have also guested on the MJ cast and they all started out on a channel in the old days, well, I guess it was a couple of years ago, wasn't it? Like mm-hmm. two years ago? Season three, yeah. A couple yeah. of years ago, uh, the MJ cast and Espanol, um, they rebranded, they, they flew the coop and grew up and graduated and started their own channel called MJ Radio. And it's a Michael Jackson podcast for Spanish speaking listeners. So Jason, do you want to tell us a little bit about um, the territories that are sort of tuning into your show and where Sandra and Ale are from? Well, we're all over the place, of course. All over the world, we get listens a lot in Spain. Of course, most of the speaking Spanish-speaking countries. So Latin America and Spain is our big market. And we have a, a whole bunch of feedback from them. We have our our loyals followers and always commenting on everything. And when we screw up, they also let us know. Believe me, I've had a couple <laughs> of emails where like, what happened this episode? I'm like, ah, <laughs> we do our best. And uh, most of the time is positive. So 99% of the time is positive. So I'm happy about that. Ale, it's, uh, she joined us uh, from Mexico City and uh, Sandra from Peru. Uh, and I'm in the United States, so we have a little bit of a 
uh, different countries on the show. I love that. And I just wish that you guys would speak Spanish a little bit so you would hear one of those episodes where we analyze the music and everything. And that Those episodes are very special when we go into, into the, the music and, and everything oh, yeah. like that. We're, we're missing yeah. out. My, my Spanish is we very limited. missing out. I already <laughs> can tell. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the real winners here are the bilingual fans who can speak English and yes. Spanish because they get a whole bunch of podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> Double dip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's it. You can find MJ Radio on social media, yes. Jason, Facebook and Twitter, right there, cool. communicating with the audience. You can find us on any application for podcasting, just as you can do here on the MJ Cast through iTunes, yep, and on YouTube, Spotify, Google Play Music, everything. We're everywhere. Just Google us, and you'll find us. Excellent. Cool. And same for us. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, email, themjcast at iCloud.com. We're all over the place. <laughs> Just track so us down. So many things. <laughs> we are. Find us on podcast things. Stop listening to us on computers and typewriters and YouTubes and use that smartphone that's in your hand and use us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts and Podcast Revolution, I think it is, or is it Republic? <laughs> I always get it mixed up. Um, but we are everywhere. Yeah. And now on iTunes, they, they with the new uh, operating system, Catalina, they separated us and gave us our own app. So now we have yeah. a podcast app for the Apple users, and you can find us there very, very easily. If uh, you don't have any podcast following on your cell phone, your Apple cell phone, or your um, iMac or Mac Pro, go ahead right now, click the app, and be the MJ Cast, the first podcast you subscribe to, and then MJ Radio, the second one. <laughs> so uh, fill it up. Fill it up with our episodes. <laughs> See, Jay- Jason, Jason, you are speaking my language, my man. All that Apple lingo. I would be interested to know what percentage, though, of listeners are engaging with with uh, our podcasts on a Mac Pro. Come on, <laughs> it'd have to be like zero point zero 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 one percent. But I have I, that's the one I got, so I, I still use it. I, I refurbish it. You have a Mac Pro? I, Do you mean a MacBook? Yes, Pro or from two thousand eleven, and I keep refurbish. I just changed the keyboard right now last week wow yeah because okay, it, it, it got cool. some uh, spills and it didn't work some of the keys so i changed it for a new one and it works just like new well i just ordered my new 26 uh sorry i just ordered my new 16 inch ah, uh, 2019 massive pro with the return to the scissor keyboard <laughs> i'm very excited yes the keyboard the hell keyboard we had before <laughs> yes all right, folks, that's a wrap for episode 111. So thank you. I'm Q signing off. Thanks for tuning into the MJ Cast. Michael on. This is Jamin Bull of the MJ Cast. Have a great, great fortnight ahead. Keep getting into your Michael stuff, enjoying it. And Janet, Michael on. And I'm Jason from MJ Radio. Thank you for tuning in and keep Michaeling.
You, you're a Keep Michaeling guy? Well, you, you did the same one as Q, so I stole the other one. I didn't know you had Keep Michaeling. Okay. Do you guys have tags at MJ Radio? Do you have a different thing you say at the end? Or? No, we don't. I just sign off myself. I say, see you next time. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, you know, whatever. And that's it. The girls just say bye. bye. But in Spanish. Yeah, bye-bye. And that's it. We, we couldn't come up with it. It's not translatable. You cannot translate Michaeling into Spanish. So it's quite yeah, sad. Yeah, it's called, what do you say, <laughs> King of Pop? It's like Ray, Ray Del Pop or something? Yeah, yeah. No, we cannot say Michaeline or Michael on or anything like that. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, Give our uh, Give our listeners a shout out in Spanish. Ah, Simon. Okay. Well, uh, guys, I wanted to thank if because you know I know some Latin uh, speaking Spanish listeners here at the show. So for those guys, I just want to say gracias por sintonizar este episodio. Esperemos que les haya gustado y que las noticias no los entristezcan, sino más bien estén llenos de esperanza y positivismo para el próximo año porque cosas nuevas vendrán y más excitantes. Y escúchenos en MJ Radio a Sandra, a Ale y a mí. Estaremos muy contentos de recibirlos en nuestra casa. Gracias a The MJ Cast por esta participación que me dieron hoy. Gracias. Love thank it. you, guys. Love it. Oh, thank you, Jason. Uh, see, sorry, I just ordered my new 16-inch uh, 2019 MacBook Pro. I have a NES, <laughs> Nintendo Entertainment System. <laughs> it's a gray. It has some red buttons on the corded controllers. And I have a Nintendo Game Boy. <laughs> it has an amazing yellow and black screen for Tetris. Oh, wow. And a Razer phone. Very good. Complex headphones in it. Razor, Motorola Razor. The, the old one. Not the new one that falls, but the older one. Oh, you sound Hello, like Charlie. Oh, Jesus. Hello, Moto. <laughs> oh, my God. I remember Charlie, that. Charlie the other day cracked me up. He said, I said to him, oh, you're still rocking the iPhone SE? And he's like, no, no, I got a new iPhone. I said, oh, what did you get? Is it a new one? He reckons you got an iPhone 8 and he thinks it's a new one. <laughs> like, dude, there's been like four versions since the iPhone 8. Newer than mine. He wanted... <laughs> he wanted the button. He wanted the clicky button. <laughs> oh, funny. Thanks, guys. I gotta fly. See you later. All right. Bye. See you, Jamin. See you guys. All right. The MJ Cast.